I felt like today God is going to um, set people free and just remove obstacles that have hindered us to step into the full destiny uh, that is on our lives and to step into the purpose that God had put on our life before the foundation of the world. And what I felt specifically for this church on, on Friday when I was sitting in the airplane and just before we went in, Rich told me that I was going to preach here. And I just thought, wow, what an honor, what a privilege to be at the same place um, a second time a year later and just preach uh, at this church and just to continue to build family and relationship with you. And the second thought was, oh, dang, what am I going to speak about? <laughs> and then uh, God reminded me of a story that a friend of mine shared and he was about to speak at a conference uh, with Bobby Connor. And uh, who doesn't know uh, Bobby Connor? He's a, he's a massive pro a prophet and just such a father um, to many, many prophets like Sean Bowles. Um, and you have to know that Bobby Connor is just wild. He just lives in a different dimension. He's a forerunner. And so the night before this, my friend of mine, Chad is his name, the night before he was supposed to speak, Bobby Connor was speaking, and Bobby Connor called out this witch that was in the congregation, and he said, yeah, you're wearing this purple skirt, and then the witch stood up and started cursing him, and he took authority, and the witch flew against the wall. She was pinned to the wall at like two meters high, and he, um, he cast out the demon, she got delivered. She gave her life to Jesus. Then Bobby Connor turns to a guy in a wheelchair and says, Stand up, Jesus is healing you right now. And the guy stands up, is completely healed. And then Bobby Connor turns and says, This is the power of God. And a light explodes in the room. <laughs> and so my friend Chad is supposed to speak the next day. And he's sitting in his hotel room. And he's like, God, God, you have to show up. <laughs> God, you have to help me. And then um, he was just terrified that he would mess it up. And then, um, and then God said to him, um, Chad, you, you will have to make a decision right here. And you can either be a preacher or you can be a son. And a preacher can preach good messages, but a son never fails. <laughs> so good. So I'm just here as a son. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> such an honor such an honor and I really felt like um, and I think it's connected to the word about the apostolic mandate that this church is called to influence the, the city and you have such a mandate to have a big impact in society and to shift and shape culture and I feel like it has even been a theme over the, the past months uh, where you have been learning about uh, how does kingdom look like in society and how does kingdom not just look like in a church but how can we bring it outside the four walls and really have an impact and serve serve the people of the city and um, even for Durban it's it's so exciting I feel like Durban is is coming out of this um, spirit of um, of being small, you know, like I feel like there's been 
um, it's not in the consciousness, but it's like in the subconsciousness that Durban, the city, thinks that they are less than Joburg or less than Cape Town. But actually, I feel like Durban will rise up and it will be such a significant place in South Africa. Um, even when, it, yeah, let's just give God a hand for that. He's doing it. He's doing it, I tell you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, we're, we're churches, we're businesses, and um, Red will thrive even in tourism, and people will just stream to Durban, and I feel like it would be such, a, such an important um, place in South Africa. And um, I was reminded of the story of, of Esther, and Esther was called to influence a kingdom that was under the power of, of darkness and a king that was evil and he kicked out his, his wife, his queen. He kicked her out and um, was looking for a new queen and had this beauty contest. And, uh, and Esther, Esther won. She, was a, she had Jewish background and she came to the palace. And now Haman, who was the treasurer of the king, uh, had this brilliant idea to just kill all the Jews that are in the nation. So it's just completely demonic. And, um, and Mordechai, who, who raised Esther, he hears about it. He hears about the decree that has been made. And he sends a messenger to Esther and says, it is, it is your responsibility to plead for mercy. And it's your responsibility to go into the king's inner court and uh, just plead for mercy on behalf of the Jews. And she's super afraid and she says, I haven't been called to the king for the last 30 days. And if I go in any way, um, there's the possibility that, that, I will be, that I will be killed. And she says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And uh, then Mordechai replies to her and says, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. I propose to you that every single one of you has attained royalty for such a time as this. And you have been called to be to be a culture shaper. You have called to, to bring the kingdom of God for the sake of the world. But the devil always attacks us on our at the greatest point of destiny. So Esther in this story, she got attacked with all these lies or with all these concerns and worry and anxiety was overwhelming her. And she, I don't know what went through her head, but she probably thought um, maybe she made some mistakes or she failed in any way and the king isn't pleased with her anymore. Or maybe he found another queen. Maybe he found someone else that he delights in more. Um, 
And she has all these excuses that, where she thinks that they disqualify her from going into the king's inner court. And Mordecai rebukes her and just reminds her, um, who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. And I feel like even today, um, there are people here that, that have become small because the devil dis wanted to disqualify you to be big and to have influence. And he couldn't convince you to sin, so he tries to minimize your influence and he tries to minimize the anointing that is on your life. He wants to hold you back. He wants that you shrink down and don't show up fully with the full power that is on your life, with the full capacity of, yeah, of what God has put on your life. And you know, there's, there are three chairs in our life that we, we always sit on. And there's one chair, and it's the past. And the past contains the testimonies we have with God. It contains the victories we have. It contains the, um, the places in our lives that he redeemed, the places he restored. And the testimonies are so powerful because it says in Revelations that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So every testimony, everything that God has done in our life has the capacity that he will do it again because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he doesn't make a difference um, he doesn't make a difference between you and your neighbor. So what he has done in your neighbor's life, he will do in your life. And what he's done in your life, he will do in your neighbor's life. That's why the testimony carries so much power, because it's a revelation about the nature of God and what he is doing. But the greatest enemy of the testimony is regret. So when we regret what we have done in the past, the decisions we made in the past, when we regret how we raised up our children, when we regret um, the financial decisions you made, then we basically say that we have a past without victory and without value. But we are supposed to live in the present with the testimonies of the past, holding on to the testimonies of the past. And regret, when we live in regret, we live in the past. And it's holding us back from fully showing up in the present. And I feel like God is, God is setting us free today that we can fully trust and believe that the areas in our life that aren't restored yet, that he hasn't redeemed yet, that he will fully redeem them in the present or in the future. But when we live in regret, when we live in regret, we, we can't see 
or we can trust that he will redeem the places in our life. But in order to live in the present with the testimonies of the past, we have to believe or we have to have the blood of Jesus in our life and the conviction that he doesn't waste a day. So no matter what happened in the past, he won't waste a day. And he's redeeming every day of your life. Today he's redeeming things of your past. Today he's going to free you from things in the past that were trying to hold you back. And he's redeeming the lies that the devil spoke into your life that you were believing. He doesn't waste a day. That is, that is a conviction that we have to have that would change everything in our life. When we, when we drive on the highway and there's traffic, we have to have the conviction in our life that there's something that God wants to do at the moment. There's something he wants to speak to me right now. That's why he's giving me this extra time on the highway. Yeah? And we have to have this conviction that he is so interested, so passionate to move in every area of our life, to redeem everything in our life, to restore sevenfold. And when we have that conviction, we will see it everywhere in our life. He will open our eyes to have this perspective to see what he's doing. There are some that live in the future, and the future is wonderful because it contains the prophecies and it contains the promises that God gave you. So we are supposed to live in the present with the testimonies of the past so that we can believe the prophecies of the future. And because we see the faithfulness of God in our life, just like we sang it in the song, You've been faithful. You've been so, so good. You've been faithful. You've been so, so good. That are the testimonies of the past. And we take them and they are fuel for us to believe the prophecies and the promises he has for our future. So we have to look forward to the future. We have to look forward with the, with the prophecies. We hold them tight. We believe them. But we live in the present. We can't live in his presence when we don't live in the present. He's a God who is always now. He's always now. The enemy of our um, prophecies and promises is fear and anxiety. When we live in fear and anxiety, um, or we, we have worries in our life, then we say that we, then we believe that the, f or I would, say, I would say differently, we imagine a future without God in it. Then we imagine a future without God in it. But the prophecies are encounters with the God who knows the future. So he already knows everything and he's just giving you this little bit of insight of, of what he wants to do in the future. So worries and fear and anxiety 
are just stupid lies. <laughs> he is a God of yesterday, today, and forever. There's a fourth position we can be in, and it's right here. And it's shame and comparison. When we live in shame, when we have shame in our life, or uh, we live in comparison, then we have a then we are in the present, but the present doesn't have us. <laughs> we live in the present, but without us in it. It's a present without you in it. Because shame tells you who you are not. So when there's shame in your life because of who you think you are, or that, that, that you think you're a second-class person because of your skin color, because of how you look, because of, because of your past, then it's holding you back from being fully who God created you to be. And comparison tells you that who you are is not good enough and that you are not valuable enough because you should be like someone else. And I, um, without even realizing it, I lived a long, not a long time, but yeah, definitely a few years in my life, I lived in comparison and I thought that I have to be like people um, that are like Todd White or um, just these evangelists that are just sharing with Jesus every day. Or I thought I have to be like my pastor who was incredibly pastoral <laughs> and uh, I just looked up to those people and I thought okay I have, I have to be like them and that brought me to a position where I didn't really f fully show up and I wasn't myself and I didn't realize what is on my life because I was just looking at the anointing and the calling that was on their life and I thought I have to be like them in order to be qualified I have to be like them in order to be a real Christian in order to to be Jesus in this world, you know? I thought that in order to, be, to look like Jesus in this world, I have to be like Todd who prays, like, who prays for every person that he meets on the street, in the restaurant. And I disqualified myself from being fully, um, from being fully present. And I feel like even today, God wants to break off shame. God wants to break off the mindsets that tell you that you're a second-class person because of this or this or this or this. Because you didn't grow up in, this, in the right family. Because you don't have the right skin color. You didn't have the right education. And he's just breaking it all off. All the excuses, all the disqualifications. Because you have attained royalty for such a time as this. You have attained royalty for such a time as this. You have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. There's a special, unique place that God has. You have a special place, not just in his heart, but also in this world, in society. And it says in Romans 5.17 that we are... That for if by the trespasses of the one death reigned as king through the one, 
Much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign as kings in the realm of life. So you have, you have received an abundance of grace. Grace empowers you to do the will of God. Grace is not just undeserved favor. It is divine empowerment to do everything that God has put on your life. To walk in everything that he has destined for you to walk in before the foundation of the world. And the gift of righteousness, the gift of right standing with God. He looks at you, he's pleased, he's proud. There's nothing that has to change in order for him to love you more. He will not love you more, he will not love you less because he loves you 100% all the time. And now you have the privilege to reign as a king in life. To reign as a king in this life. You're the king who reigns in this world and he is the king of kings and through the king of kings there's grace for you to reign. You have attained royalty for such a time as this. You know, in in the times um, of the New Testament, they would build houses not with bricks. They would build houses with stones. And they would cut out, cut out these stones um, out of rocks. And then the builder would take each stone that had a unique form and had a different shape and a different size than all the other stones and he would take the stone he would look at it and he would think what the perfect place for the stone is in the building and then he would put it on this on the on a perfect spot for the building and in first peter chapter 2 it says as you come to him a living stone rejected by man but in the sight of God chosen and precious you yourself like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ so each one of us is built is being built up but not as a brick but as living stones You don't look like the other person and you don't you shouldn't look like the other person and in the in the history of the church we see that um, that the church developed this kind of like a second-class society and what I mean by that is that there's this belief system that um, that certain giftings certain callings, certain occupations Are first class and others are second class and that even people um, that there are people that um, have a more important role than others and so it creates this culture of um, of disqualification or a culture of discouragement discouragement 
and it creates a culture that you are never good enough or never enough because you only have this, you only carry this anointing or you're only a, a part of this ministry, you're only in the kids ministry, not in youth ministry, you're only in youth ministry, not in, in church leadership or you are only a nurse, not a politician, you're only cleaning houses and you're not teaching in school. Whatever it may be, it's a lie. It is such a lie and it just disqualifies us from fully showing up and fully believing that I have such a unique and special destiny on my life and no one can take my place in this world. And I get to be Jesus in my sphere of influence. I get to be Jesus I get to be like Jesus to the people around me, to my neighbors. God has put me into a certain family, into a certain social background. He gave me a, a, a certain skin color so that I, that I could fulfill the destiny that he has put on my life. And when you see that, you would never, never, never like to be like someone else. You would never want to change your family. You would never want to change your yeah, your background, your skin color, whatever it may be. Because you, you will start to see what, how beautiful the facet of his nature is that he has put on your life. And when you believe this lie that there is a second class society in the kingdom, when you believe that there are first class occupations or callings, then it means that there are also first-class and second-class anointings. And when we believe that there are first- and second-class anointings, then that means that there are first- and second-class Christians. And you see how, how this lie would just spiral us down and it would, it would disqualify us from, from having a from stepping into the, the unique place that God has given us, the unique place of, of loving the people around us. And I want you to ask the Father what your position is. If you are, um, if, if regret is holding you back, regret of, regret of the past, the, the failures of the past, the wrong decisions. Or if there's fear and anxiety that is holding you back. And I, when Sean was saying that, I just felt the, the spirit on that, that God was going to release um, people from fear and anxiety and just free them from that. And I actually um, told uh, Siri before already if she would like to pray for people that uh, sing over people that have fear and anxiety. And maybe there's some of you, you think you're not good enough. You think you should, you should be different, you should look different, you should carry something different. You should be more spiritual already. You should be more, more mature. Do you know that God is the one who finishes what he started? So 
So when you're present in his presence and you trust him and you're yielded, then he's able to do far more than you can ask or think or imagine. You have attained royalty for such a time as this. You have attained royalty for such a time as this. You are to reign as kings in this life. And I just want, want you to see, I want you to look back at the history that, the history of your life and just see how God has uniquely woven everything together. How he's uniquely put you together with certain people that are in your life. How he has put friendships and relationships in your life that sharpen you that encourage you. How he has put people in your life that carry a, a similar passion. And just look back and see the faithfulness of God and embrace the testimonies. Embrace the victories that you have. The victories that you have are battles that the next generation will never have to fight for. The battles you win, the battles you won, are the victories of the next generation. They become the foundation they stand on and they didn't do anything for it. And they can just build on your, on your foundation. And I feel like there's something about, about legacy today that God is removing obstacles so that you can not just live a life for yourself to have influence in your lifetime, but it's actually much bigger. The picture is much bigger. It's about leaving a legacy. And every legitimate career is an opportunity to reign as a king in life. And your children will look up to you and they will see and they will recognize if you did hold back or if you showed up fully in the present. They will see if you've believed the promises and prophecies that are over your life. Or if you allowed the enemy, the lies of the enemy to hold you back, to live fully in the present with the testimonies of the past and with the prophecies and promises of the future. So it's much bigger. Esther wasn't just supposed to walk into the king's court for herself or for her family. It was about a whole nation. It was about a whole nation. This is not just for you. You stepping into your destiny is not just for you. It's for your children and your children's children. You have this, this unique opportunity in this lifetime to make decisions, to make radical decisions, to recalibrate and to align your life with the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. You have this unique opportunity. It blows my mind that the decisions we make will influence our children, our children's children, our great-great-great-grandchildren. 
And one time, your great-great-great-grandchildren will look at the pictures and they will say, because my great-great-great-grandfather did this, made this decision in his life. And he aligned with the purpose that was on his life. We now get to live in this. We are now man and woman. That have this, that live in, in wealth. And I, I don't mean money by that. I mean to prosper soul, spirit. I think money is just one manifestation of wealth. But just think about it, that you, with your decisions, you, you will impact generations to come. And I feel like God wants to set us free so that we can be who we are created to be.